Hey, Spike Pit, it's Whisk, and that is a good option at the end of your podcast where you tell people they could just, you know, give you a message and you can read it out. That's very cool because I've, I've had, I actually have had that. Someone messaged me because they didn't have a podcast, actually a few people, and it's really, it's really nice when someone takes the time to do that. Going back to what Hobbs was talking about a little bit, about less is more, that's with anything. I find that even with cooking, you know, so with gaming, anything. It's like you got so much, but it's too much. You don't need that much. Anyway, good podcast. I like how you intertwined everyone's phone call. You're definitely kicking some serious butt, Spike Pit. Good job. Whisk out. Hello, I'm Colin Green. And you are listening to Spike Pit, episode 136. Ivy the Happy Whisk at the top of the show. Thanks for calling in, Ivy, and thanks for your kind words. Now, I want to pick up on something Ivy mentioned a little bit later in the show, and that is this idea of less is more. Now, I'm a little bit conflicted. Is less always more? But I'll come on to that later. First up, we've got some call-ins with some feedback in relation to some recent episodes. So let's get on with that and uh, listen to some pretty familiar voices. Hey, Colin. Eric Salzbittle here calling in on your episode about experience points. I think it really depends on the style of game you're running. If you're running what Jason is running where carousing and gold feeds into XP, I think you kind of need to use your standard experience point progression for those style of games. If you're running something where it's more about the story and you want the characters to progress at a certain pacing to fit with the story that's occurring, then I like milestone experience for that type of um, game. For my Solar Blades and Cosmic Spells game, I use the experience system there, which is based on number of sessions, and that works perfect. Um, We also don't get to play very frequently just based on schedule, so using a slow progressing experience point system may not be that great, and the number of sessions one works great, and it's been going well. So anyway, those are my thoughts, man. Hey, Colin. Evil Jeff. Just listened to your episode with the awarding experience points, and at the end you talked about hearing about half experience points monsters. I actually do that in my VX campaign that I run my minions through. They get full XP awarded to them if they kill the monsters or if they convince the monsters to leave alone and that monster's not going to show back up. But I do keep track if a monster might possibly show up again and if it does then they're only going to get half experience for that encounter. The next time they encounter it then they might get full experience or maybe they get half again if it's going to show back up a little more bookkeeping on my end but i think that's that's kind of fair in there especially if you possibly encounter uh, a creature more than once hey colin steve c here dice roll zine been listening to your podcast this week and i'm loving this stuff about um xp awards and advancement uh, just have a couple of comments. Uh, I love the milestone advancement, whether it's 5e or whatever system you're using. I've used it as far back as second edition D&D, actually. Um, we didn't call it milestones back then. It was just 
level up, whatever. <laughs> but uh, but I love it. Um, but Jason Hobbs, who uh, is absolutely right, one of the problems with it is the variations between classes in terms of XP awards. Some classes are punished by using that system. Other classes benefit. Um, one thing that I've done to smooth that out, actually, whenever I've used milestone advancements, is to modify the classes so as to make them a little bit more balanced. And I think I'm going to have to pull a Jackson here, so hang tight. Hey Colin, Steve C here again. Awarding experience points. I've never liked the idea of awarding experience points only for combat. I've always liked spreading it around and awarding experience points for doing character-related things other than combat. Um, some of the ways I've done that... Um, particularly when using Milestone Advancement, is I've borrowed from other games, uh, namely Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay and Savage Worlds, where um, I will award fate points. Characters can accumulate fate points from, like from Warhammer, um, where you can possibly cheat death uh, or spend it a fate point to um, re-roll a saving throw or anything like that. Um, from Savage Worlds, the Bennies idea is a very similar thing. It's an in-game bonus that you get that you can use to help your character out. So I will award those for dramatically appropriate or character-appropriate things. Uh, we'll talk to you again later. Bye. Thanks for your responses, guys. Always good to get some feedback and some call-ins. And uh, I like, really like hearing the ways different people tackle things such as awarding experience it's really enlightening i hope you the listener get something from this conversation and i know i do so we heard from eric sawsweed all there steve c was last and evil jeff in the middle and i mean it, it just goes to show everybody's got a, a different theory the point eric was making about what style of game you're playing you know that's definitely a factor and i do think i skipped over the subject a little bit in in my uh my episode on experience because I, I did want to talk a little bit more about player rewards along the lines of um you know steve's point the bennies or the fate points something like that i i would like to see something like that in my game but i just can't I can't get happy and comfortable with a method for doing that. I've, I've I've got issues with the 5e inspiration. And perhaps this is a topic for another episode that I'll, I'll record sometime in the future. So if you've got any thoughts on that, you know, maybe a call in and I'll put a few together and see if we can do a bit of an episode other people have talked about it obviously it's it's a common it's a common point of discussion hi colin old man grognard here heard your comments about average hit points and average damage and not speaking to 5e as far as average hit points go well i will use them if i'm in a pinch i see the number there usually it's in my old school stuff, it's whatever hit dice, it'll give you an average. And I'll use that if I'm running short of time or something like that. But normally, I like to run, roll my hit points for all my monsters. As far as average damage, what are you, some kind of nut? You roll for damage. I don't care how much they do. You roll for damage. 
Anyway, that's my two cents. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Well, Radio Grognard laying down the law on damage rolls there. The last episode, I think we kind of put that to bed a little bit. And I'm thinking I'll make the extra effort if necessary just to keep that, that drama. And in my experience of using it, it wasn't super popular with the players. Arfid in particular... Uh, I don't think it floated uh, too well with him. And, yeah, I wouldn't want to kind of kill off a character with average damage when they're on low hit points. I'd, I'd like to see him have a a chance for maybe a lucky escape. So, um, yeah. Moving on to another call now, and it's another one from Ivy. Uh, it's in relation to... The Dead of Winter episode by Arfed. Hey, Arfed, it's Ivy the Happy Wisp. Do more. It's great to hear you doing a podcast. Absolutely fantastic. And I hope you either do more on SpikeBits channel or get your own channel and then do them all the time. It's so much fun. That's it for me, Whisk Out. Yeah, thanks, Ivy. I'm sure Arfed will be happy to hear that you enjoyed his offering. And I'm sure he'll do some more. He's always um, kind of dropping ideas on me and coming up with bits and pieces, suggestions for topics. Uh, we were looking at the board game collection the other night, actually. And, uh, yeah, I'm I'm sure we're, we'll hear from him again fairly soon. At the top of the show, Ivy mentioned this idea that less is more. She's uh, decluttered. Um, I, I myself... Uh, I'm a kind of, I come from the lightweight backpacking school of thought and I tend to trim things down as much as I can. But sometimes I can be a bit of a collector. I think a lot of gamers and uh, guys into the sort of the RPG hobby seem to collect systems. You've got Froth, he collects his maps and blogs. Um... There's people with their miniatures, rule systems, books. We're all sort of... Um, I, I, I sometimes think I've kind of got some kind of uh, borderline acquisition disorder. And every now and then it all gets a bit much and I I, I almost want to get rid of it all. But... Um, so, less is more. I also think about less is more when you see some of that Japanese calligraphy or certain minimalist design or artworks but in the context of rpg rules i think sometimes less less rules less fluff less pages can be more confusion we've had a fair bit of criticism from listeners, uh, people calling in, commenting on 5e and all the abundance of information. And I definitely understand that. I was intimidated when I first picked it up. It, it's taken me ages to get into some of the content. And I think there's a fair bit of it that I probably never will really get into. And, you know, that is when you might say, oh, yeah, less is more. If we had less of that, we could we could do more and get into it more. But I do think 
that sometimes it is precisely that information or those rules that kind of clarify things and um, answer some questions that that mean it means you're not having to spend time thinking about it the rule is there you can just look at it look it up and quite often the matter is resolved so let's listen to this pertinent calling at this point hey colin eric Salswittle here i have not called in your show in a while and wanted to do so and i'm actually commenting on your call in to random screed so i'm calling into your podcast about something you said on another podcast anyway it's about your wizard using a sword dilemma uh i don't adhere to the uh the old school weapon proficiency thing where if you don't have that proficiency you can't use that weapon that's that's just dumb. I, I don't have proficiency in a sword, but if I picked one up, I think I could chop at something. It's not like it would just fall out of my hand and clank to the ground um, harmlessly. I, I mean, I might not be very good at using it, but I, I think I could figure out how to put the pointy end in the other guy, as uh, Antonio Bandera said in The Mask of Zorro. Um, and also remember, uh, one of the greatest fantasy wizards of all time, friggin' Gandalf the Grey, had a sword. So why can't wizards use a sword? Might not be as good as a fighter trained as a blade master. Anyway, take it easy, man. So with Eric's call in there, we've got less rules and more rulings. 5e handles this whole business quite simply. If you're not proficient, your class or your character is not proficient with a weapon, they don't get their proficiency bonus. And that is usually enough of a, a factor that players won't then bother with that weapon. Unless circumstances dictate that it's the only uh, weapon to hand and then you, you haven't got a sort of a situation where you need to make a ruling, it's pretty clear. And for me, this is a good example of um, less rules being more work. You've got to make them rulings up, but you've got a a system that's a little bit more crunchy, has got a little bit more detail to it, it can actually save you a bit of time or save you a bit of debating at the table. So, yeah, uh, I think... Let me think of another example. got another call in now. Hey, Colin, it's Cody. Um, in regards to your question about opposed checks, um, I think they're kind of cool, like, in a face-to-face -face game you know, rolling dice against each other. It's like a fun kind of, I don't even know if it's competitive, but it's exciting, right? I don't know if it's exciting all the time, but, it, you know, if it happens once or twice, it can be kind of fun. But I, I think the simpler way to do it, um, in your example, the arm wrestling against an orc is just to make a strength check. So this is the simplest and fastest way I can think of. So a strength check, right, a d20, um, if you roll your strength or under in VX, then you beat the orc in arm wrestling. If you roll... Um, oh, your strength, or so your over your strength, then uh, you would have lost the arm wrestling match. And, you know, it's a single die roll, it's very fast, and then you can narrate based off of the die roll, right? Um, anyway, keep it up, and uh, I'll catch you later, bud. Peace. Yeah, Cody M calling in there in response to a question I'd asked about how using old school rules would you guys go about resolving an encounter with an orc? where it ends in some sort of arm wrestling match. And he's come back with the, well, probably what most folk would do, make a strength check. You could 
apply modifiers for different opponents. You know, perhaps you've got a a, a champion orc arm wrestler, or you've got a bigger orc or a smaller orc, and you could just modify uh, modify the strength to take that into account. And like he says, it's very simple. It's one roll. You're one and done. Um, but it serves as a nice example of a, another aspect of 5e where you've got these opposed checks and he mentions it in the message there the opposed roll you you take a, a d20 each you add your bonuses and the party with the highest roll is deemed the winner you could then repeat this a couple of times if you wanted to maybe average things out a little bit or create a little bit of drama draw out the scene a little bit and um yeah it's it's this idea of with some more rules you've maybe got a little bit less hassle um the the less experienced dm i i think i've mentioned this but i think sometimes the old school is not not perhaps the best system for a beginning dm despite the fact that there's not a lot of rules there i just think well sometimes that can be a drawback as well as an advantage. So it is a sort of a double-edged sword. You know, maybe call in, let me know what you think. I don't want to um I don't want to create, like I said, an addition war or anything. But uh yeah, less is more. I just think that's an interesting phrase and you can you can take it in different ways. And there you go, hope you enjoyed it. Quite a bit of ground cover, the good range of call-ins. Thanks to everybody who contributed there. I'd also like to put out a thanks once again to the Pit crew over at Spike Pit Patreon. You're keeping the show going and growing. Keep a look out there for some digital art. That's my current project. I'm doing some maps and some other, a little bit more painterly stuff. So, um, yeah, keep your eyes open for that one, guys. Thanks for your generosity as ever. And last but not least, I'd like to say thanks to you, the listener, for taking a bit of time out of your day to listen to Old Spike Pit. Take care, and I'll catch you later.